open up to John chapter 12. That's where we'll get started today. John, the 12th chapter. I hope that you have a Bible with you this morning because we're going to be turning to a whole lot of passages, and I would hate for anyone to get lost or behind simply because they don't have a Bible. So, if you want to open up to John chapter 12, that's where we will begin. Palm branches pound the pavement as the Prince of Peace, both humbly and triumphantly, enters into the city of Jerusalem, crying out, Behold, your king comes riding on the foal of a donkey. Fear not, daughter of Zion, here comes your king. As he cries out, Behold, the king is coming. All who are there, all who see this, all who hear this, cry back, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. As thousands of years of prophecy thunderously collide with the reality of one who was born of a virgin from the seed of David, from the tribe of Judah, from the city of Nazareth, who would be go called by the name Emmanuel as reality became present, born in the flesh, as the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, women, and children, as they beheld the glory of God, the Father, the Son, who was full of grace and truth. No one would have ever thought that the King of kings and the Lord of lords' life would come to this point. In John chapter 12 and verse 23, just after Jesus humbly rides into Jerusalem, the text says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, pay attention to that word, dies. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. My soul is troubled. Shall I say, Father, deliver me from this hour? Save me from this hour? Of course not. No, for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. What is Jesus talking about? Verse 33, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Here in this passage, here in this passage, Christ is explaining to the people that his glorification 
Satan's denunciation, and this sinful world's exaltation would come as a result of the Son of Man's death. It would come as a result of the King of Kings suffering, being scourged, being beaten, being blindfolded, being mocked, and being nailed to a tree, and pouring out his blood for the sins of the world. That is how Christ would be glorified. That is how Satan would be denunciated, and that is how the sinful world will be exalted through Christ's death. And the people respond in verse number 34. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? How can you say that, that this one who has been prophesied about for all of these years, this one who came to this earth clothed in flesh and blood, this one who, who uh, preached the gospel to the poor, this one who healed the brokenhearted, this one who set at liberty those who are captive, this one who gave sight to the blind and raised men and women from the dead, how can you say that this one who has done all of these incredible things is going to die? No one, no one would have ever thought that his life would come to this. Who is this Son of Man? That's the question that we're going to answer this morning. The Son of Man is all that God would have man to be. And he is one who, as man, is the hope of man because he came to this earth to serve man. The Son of Man is a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul makes this very clear as he's speaking of the humility of Jesus Christ. He says, even though Christ came to this earth in the form of God, even though he was God in the flesh, even though from the very beginning of time he was with God the Father and God the Spirit, even though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That means that he wasn't concerned about being the head honcho. He wasn't concerned about being the top dog. He wasn't concerned about being the big man on campus. Even though, even though he was God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did he do? What did he do? He emptied himself, coming in what? The likeness of men. And when he was found in human form, he became a servant he became a servant and was obedient to his father God, even to the point of death. Christ, the Son of Man, is a servant of man. He came to this earth and he left his glory, he left his throne, and he was humiliated so that all of us could be exalted. He came to this earth as a man. And he didn't come here as a pompous, pampered, professional man with a whole lot of uh, wealth and a whole lot of luxuries in his life. That's not the form of man that he came to this earth as. He came to this earth as a suffering son of man. A man, as Isaiah chapter 53 would say, who had no form or comeliness that we should be attracted to him. A man who was despised and rejected by men. A man who men hid their faces from. This is the type of man that Christ came to this earth to be. In Matthew chapter 8, 
verse 20, Jesus is trying to make this point very clear to his disciples and to two of his apostles' mother. He's trying to make the point clear that he came to this earth not to be served, but to serve. The mother of James and John come to him asking if Jesus can reserve two seats in heaven for them, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus says, woman, you do not know what you are asking for. Are they going to be able to drink from the cup that I will drink from? They say, yes, yes, we can drink from that cup. Jesus says, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be a servant. And if you want to be first in the kingdom of God, then you must be a slave. Verse 28 of Matthew chapter 8, even as, even as, excuse me, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, if you want to be first in the kingdom of God, you must be a slave, even as the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom for all, and even as the Son of Man came to this earth, not to be served, but to serve. Christ, the Son of Man, is all that God would have man to be, and he is one who, as man, is the hope of man, because he is the servant of man. But not only that, Christ, the Son of Man, is much more than a mere servant. He is the suffering servant. Christ is the suffering servant. All the way from the beginning of time, he knew that he would leave the glories of heaven. He knew that he would leave his throne to come to this earth, as Isaiah 53 would say, as a man of sorrows, as a man who would be acquainted with grief, as a man who had no form or comeliness that we should be attracted to him. Christ knew from the very beginning of time that was his purpose. There in John chapter 12, we read that he said, for this purpose I have come. I have come to this world to die. I have come to this world to suffer. In Psalm 22, the psalmist talks about how Christ would be surrounded by ravenous wolves with their mouths wide open like, like uh, lions waiting to, to eat him alive. He would be poured out like water. All of his bones would be out of joint. He'd be so malnourished. He'd be starving. He'd be so famished that he could count all of his bones. His tongue would be stuck to the roof of his mouth. He would be so parched, so parched that his, that his uh, heart would be melted as wax, dried up like a potsherd. That's what Christ had to look forward to. He would be the suffering son of man who would pour out his blood for the sins of the world. And he was constantly reminding his apostles again and again and again about the fact that he came to this earth to suffer and die. In Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, in verse number 31 Jesus talks about the suffering that he would one day experience. Mark chapter 8, verse number 31, just after Peter confesses him as the Christ, the text says, And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. Christ's purpose was to come to this earth to suffer and to die. And he was constantly reminding his disciples of this fact. In Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse number 31, he says to the people again, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. 
Christ is the suffering Son of Man, and all throughout Scripture, he's reminding his disciples of this fact. Chapter 10, chapter 10, verse number 33. Mark chapter 10, verse number 33. Jesus foretells his death a third time. He says to his disciples, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him, and after three days he will rise. This is what Jesus had to look forward to. This is um, what was in his mind for the entire 33 years he was on this earth. He knew that he would suffer. He knew that he would be rejected. He knew that he would be despised. He knew that he would be spit at, spit in the face, mocked, blindfolded, struck. He knew that he would be nailed to a cross and a crown of thorns would be twisted on his scalp. And he knew that his blood would be poured out for the sins of the world. Can you imagine? Can you imagine coming to this earth knowing that your life would end in such a tragic way? Christ is the suffering servant. But we know that Jesus' life doesn't end this way. We know that he not only died, but three days later he got up with the keys of death and hell at his fingertips. And so because he was so willing to humble himself and come to this earth as a man of sorrows and serve this world, because he was so willing to do that, Christ now reigns. Christ reigns. In Daniel chapter 7, in Daniel chapter 7, the prophet Daniel has a vision of four beasts which represent four world empires that would be destroyed. And as he's seeing these beasts destroyed, he notices that there is one who is sitting on a fiery throne who is called the Ancient of Days. And there are thousands and thousands of people who are serving him. There are ten thousands times ten thousands of people who are bowing down before his feet. And as Daniel notices all of this, he sees from the, the clouds in the sky that there is one approaching the throne of the Ancient of Days who is like the Son of Man. Daniel chapter 7, in verse 13 Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. He came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, all nations, and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel sees centuries before this son of man would come to this earth, Daniel sees one who would be given glory, honor, and power. Daniel sees one who an everlasting, who will receive an everlasting kingdom. Who is this son of man? Can be no one, can be no one but that one who was born of a virgin from the seed of David, from the tribe of Judah the city of Bethlehem, who goes by the name of Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is he who is going to receive dominion, glory, and honor. That is the one who reigns. Because Christ was willing to come to this earth and humble himself and be a suffering servant for us, he now reigns. And that is another fact 
that he was constantly reminding his disciples of. In Matthew chapter 13, in Matthew chapter 13, verse number 41, Matthew 13, verse 41, Jesus says, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdoms, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In this passage, we see that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, will send out his angels, and they will gather people out of his kingdom, and Christ will judge the world. Why? Because he is the one who reigns. He is the one who is in control. He is the one who is calling the shots. He is the one who is seated on his throne. In Matthew chapter 19, in Matthew chapter 19, just after Jesus has, has uh, had this conversation with the rich young ruler, he begins to talk about the cost of discipleship. And then he ends this discussion talking about the final judgment, and he says in verse 28 to the people, Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, Truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. It is Jesus who sits on His glorious throne, and it is He who judges the world. Christ reigns because he was willing to come to this earth and suffer and serve the entire world. He now reigns. Again, in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, we read of the final day of judgment. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 31. Matthew 25, 31, the Bible says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all of the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Again, it is Christ who sits on his glorious throne. It is Christ who is judging the entire world. It is Christ who reigns. As John 5 verse 22 says, John 5 starting in verse 22, John tells us that all of majesty has been ascribed to him because he is the Son of Man. John chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. There in John chapter 12, as Jesus is humbly riding into the city of Jerusalem, and all of the people are crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. All of the people are thinking about how 
thousands and thousands and thousands of years of prophecy has been fulfilled in this man, Jesus Christ. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everyone who is there watching Christ both humbly and triumphantly enter into that city, everyone who is there would have called you a lie if you had have told them that in less than a week's time, they would all be crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Since Christ was so willing to humble himself to that point, since he was willing to be scourged, beaten, mocked, and nailed to a cross, since he was so willing to humble himself and become a servant to the entire world, he now reigns. And so we get to the point in this lesson where we ask ourselves, what is the point? What does this mean to me? How is this significant to me? This is significant because as men and women, as Christians who are living in a world that is far different than us, as men and women who are living in a world where we are often persecuted, we're often ridiculed, we're often looked down upon, we experience trials and tragedies and tribulations because we call ourselves children of God. As people in this world who experience these type of problems, we can take comfort in knowing that we serve a God who too has experienced the same type of difficulties as we have. We can take comfort in the fact that we serve a God who has experienced far more than we have experienced. We can take comfort in the fact that Christ has been tempted at all points just as we are, but he has been without sin. He is the perfect, holy son of God. And so, since this is the case, if we live our lives for him, if we humble ourselves on this side of heaven and become servants to the world and servants to God, if we willfully and joyfully suffer reproach for his name's sake, one day, just as Christ reigns, we too will reign. The Apostle Paul told the young evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, if we are willing to die for him, then we will live with him. And if we endure with him, we will reign with him. The end of our lives can be just as glorious, just as spectacular, and just as triumphant as the Son of Man who came to this earth to humble himself for you and I. But we must die to him, we must die to self, and we must live with him. And when we do that, we too will reign. In Acts chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7, just after a man by the name of Stephen has just told this crowd of hostile Jews that they are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, he asked them, which one of the, the prophets have they not uh, killed and persecuted just like they have killed and persecuted the prophesied Messiah? Just after Stephen makes this, this very bold declaration to this crowd of hostile Jews, the text says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 55, right before they're about to stone him, he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and 
the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Any other time in Scripture, we read of Jesus seated at the right hand of God. But here in this passage, at Stephen's death, the text says that Christ was standing at the right hand of God. The Son of Man was standing at the right hand of God, waiting, waiting to receive his suffering servant, Stephen, into the glories of heaven, so that one day Stephen will too reign just as Christ reigns. That's what the Lord wanted to do for Stephen. That's what he wants to do for me. That's what he wants to do for you. And that's what he wants to do for the entire world. That's why the Son of Man is so significant. The Son of Man is all that God would have man to be. And he is one who, as man, is the hope of man. Let's pray. O oh Lord, our God, we come to you now humbled before your high and exalted throne. We thank you so much for being our God. We thank you so much for sending your son to this earth to become a man and to be a servant to the world. We thank you for uh, the, the life that he lived, and we are so humbled by the fact that he suffered for us and he ultimately died for us. But we rejoice in the fact that not only did he die, he got up three days later, and he has been victorious over sin and death, which also gives us the victory. We thank you so much for this victory, and we pray that we will live our lives in humble devotion to you and serve you and honor you all of the days of our lives. We pray that you continue to bless this work here at Rolling Hills and continue to watch all over all of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you're here this evening, excuse me, this morning, and you are not a Christian, then you don't have this, this wonderful this wonderful hope that we talked about uh, provided through Jesus. You will not reign when you pass away if you die outside of Christ. The only way that we can uh, receive this imperishable hope that we, that we talked about is if you are a part of the body of Christ. You become a part of the body of Christ by being connected with his blood, being connected to the cross, being connected to the suffering. You're connected to all of that by dying to sin. How do you die to sin? You die to sin by having your sins buried in the watery grave of baptism. And when you come up out of that water, you walk in newness of life. That's how we are connected with Christ, and that's how we will one day reign with Christ. If you've not done that and you would like to do that this morning, or if you've done that in time past but you've fallen away, you've gone after the ways of the world, you've made mistakes, and you would like to make things right this morning, if you have any spiritual need today, we ask that you please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>